Heather, let's ask God to speak to us this morning. I really believe I've got a, a, a message that really is going to kind of launch us on into the new year, really, that for our leadership team in particular. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord in our life. Uh, Lord, let it bring forth much fruit today. Thank you for all that you have done even this weekend. Thank you for the, the, the Dandor Project garage sale, Lord, and everyone who helped. Thank you, Lord, for, for young people being born again. Thank you, Lord, for children's ministry growing and expanding. Thank you, Lord, for our keyboard player, Lord, and everything you're doing, Lord, to help us do better at what we do. Lord, speak to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. Turn in your Bible with me to Joshua chapter 3 and then Exodus chapter 18. Joshua 3 and Exodus 18. Everyone say Joshua 3 and Exodus 18. We continue with our series called Uncharted Waters. Navigating your way into God's perfect plan for your life. You see, God has a plan for all of our lives. Amen. Tell somebody around you, God has a plan. And as my friend Ron Hammonds says, Dr. Ron Hammonds, he says, God has a plan. He will succeed. Even if it cost him your life. He's not opposed to using us up for his glory and honor. Amen. But God does have a plan. And now from his perspective, the will of God for our life is not uncharted waters. He does have a plan. But from our perspective, uh, I don't know about you, but I've never been into the future. Uh, I've never been able to accomplish that. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid if I did, I would uh, probably run when I got back to the present. Uh, and so we know God has a plan. We've just got to, we've got to navigate our way into God's purpose and plan. And we've been looking through the life of Moses and Joshua and the children of Israel and learning life lessons of spiritual progress. And we're on number 11 today. And next Sunday we complete. You know I never, I hardly ever do a 12-part series. But through some of our help, I know Ryan shared a great message. And, and uh, Josh shared a great message earlier in this. So we're almost done. And so I've, I've gotten more out of this personally than in a lot of the things that I've shared. And so it's made a difference in my life. And I hope it's made a difference in you. And so the next, uh, next Sunday, we'll wind that up and, uh, and finish strong. But Joshua 3, the, verse 4, as the children of Israel are coming up to the uh, Red Sea, uh, pardon me, the River Jordan, after 40 years of wandering through the wilderness because of, uh, of the early days rebellion against the, the, if you want to say it this way, the founding fathers of the Exodus, uh, the old guard had died out by the declaration of God that they would die in the wilderness because they rebelled against God. And now Joshua, Moses is dead, and Joshua is taking up the mantle of leadership by the direction of God. And, and the children of Israel, the new Joshua generation, are pretty jazzed about moving into their promised possession. How many of you have ever been sick and tired of being sick and tired? I'm telling you, they were sick and tired of being sick and tired. If you remember, they ate one thing for 40 years. It was called manna. And it was so good that every day they got up. And they, in fact, the word manna means, what is it? Anybody ever had what is it for supper? Anybody ever had what is it for breakfast? Anybody ever had what is it for lunch for 40 years? Hello? Everybody say, what is it? Some of you guys are kind of going, yeah, I have. I can't quite figure out what it is. 
Uh, but hey, they were sick and tired of being sick and tired. So they're ready to move in and possess the land after 40 years of wandering through the wilderness and being recipients and beneficiaries, if you will, of their father's mistakes. How many of us, sometimes the mistakes we make affect other people? Pretty much every time that's the case. And that was the case with the children of Israel. But now they're about to move on in. And so we've been learning from them and learning some life lessons of spiritual progress. And here they are right at the door. And it says, verse 4, he's talking about, well, verse 2. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God... And the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Now, we know that the Ark of the Covenant is the place of God's manifest presence there in the Old Testament with the children of Israel. He said, you're to go after it. He said, yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. In other words, for them, it was uncharted waters. And so he said, keep your eyes on the presence of God. Keep your eyes on the ark so that you will know the way by which you you shall go because you've not passed this way before. So we've been learning these life lessons. Let me just go through them quickly for you. The first one was embrace the promises. Everyone say embrace the promises. The second one, as we see here, is the priority of God's presence. You need these things in your life if you're going to move from point A to point B and make spiritual progress. The third one was the fear not factor. Everyone say fear not. The fourth one, which I think is one of the biggies in our culture today, it's the taming of the tongue. You see what got the children of Israel stuck in the wilderness was their unruly tongue. And uh, you know what? By the help of the Holy Spirit, we can tame the tongue. And how many of you remember the the weight method, the W-A-I-T it's real deep. Why am I talking? Sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut. Okay. All right. And if Ty were here, he would be close to saying, you don't say shut up. That's just against the rules, isn't it? In fact, the other night we were all sitting around and, and I think Josh said something. I can't remember. You know, he just said, you know, somebody just said, and he said, shut up and not in a derogatory way. And Ty who was out, he said, "Uh oh, you're not supposed to say shut up. <laughs> he got on to it. But hey, that's what basically, sometimes we just need to learn to do, the taming of the tongue. And then Ryan shared a great message called focusing on forward. Now, how many of you know if you're always looking back, you'll never move forward? And then uh, I shared a message that, by the way, I've shared now four or five times in different places that has made a big difference in people's life. It's called preparing, uh, pardon me, preparing to possess is, is the next one. And then verse number seven is enduring the process. There's some preparation, but that endurance message made a big difference in people's lives and destiny who are going through some serious struggles and other places as well. So enduring the process, and then Josh did a great job on the the, uh, lesson of spiritual progress called declaring the miraculous, another uh, insight about how we declare God's will and word and being made manifest in our life. And then number nine was equipped for conflict. You see, they had an expectation of a battle. They got ready for war. How many of you know the will of God's going to be a fight? I said, how many of you know the will of God's going to be a fight? That's true. We got to be ready. And then number 10, last Sunday, I encourage you to get this clarity of vision. We got to have a, fra- a, a real clear vision of God before us to move forward. 
For without a vision, the people do what? They perish. So we need vision. Now today, number 11, I'm excited about this morning and, uh, and I do my best to be done by noon, but here it is today's life lesson. Number 11 uh, of spiritual progress. It's called teamwork. Everyone say teamwork. One thing I've learned about the will of God navigating into God's perfect plan for my life. uh, It's always a team effort. You cannot arrive into the destiny of God all by yourself. It's always a team effort. You see, you think, well, you know, I, I don't know about that. I can kind of make it on my own. Understand something. Uh, even, even the Lone Ranger had a team. His name was Tonto. And they went everywhere together. And understand something about the will of God for your life. It is a team effort. It all right, always requires a corporate involvement and a corporate investment uh, 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 from us and to us in order for God's purposes to be realized. When you study the church, which is a great picture of team, you'll, defi- you'll understand that it's a corporate team effort to accomplish God's kingdom purposes. For example, if you or I took the great commission all upon ourselves and all by ourselves, we said, you know, God commanded me to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and to baptize. How many of you know that's an impossibility for one person to accomplish such a great task? And so it's a team effort. Everyone say it's a team effort. And I, and, and I, I really believe that God is speaking to me personally as the pastor of this church to really empower us in even a greater measure to plug into the team and become a great team member and a team player to see God's kingdom come and his will be done. In fact, I, uh, from time to time, I recommend materials for you to read. And here's one that I've read probably two or three times. John Maxwell is kind of the leadership guru of America and really of the world. Uh, you know, years ago, he wrote the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. And here's one, the 17 indisputable laws of teamwork. And you think, well, I don't need a team. Hey, everybody's on a team. If you're married, you're on a team. If you're in a family, you're on a team. In fact, that puts us all there because you just, you weren't the immaculate, hey, you just didn't show up one day. You are a part of a team. How many of you know family is team? And the church is a team. We are the body of Christ. I would encourage you to get this book and begin to look to some of the laws of teamwork, the indisputable laws of teamwork. It'll make a difference in your life. It'll make a difference in your family. It'll make a difference in your business. It'll make a difference where you live. And so you think, well, uh, how could I, uh, you know, institute these laws into my own life if I'm just, uh, I'm not the leader. Hey, we can always influence from the middle of the pack. Amen. And you can even influence from the back of the pack. You can make a difference in in the team. And so, in fact, I'm going to quote some of the laws throughout this. So you be listening. I'll share some of them with you just a little bit. But teamwork, here's what you need to know about teamwork. It's really a biblical process. Okay. And in fact, let me just give you one of these laws right up front. Uh, It's a biblical law. This was John's first law uh, uh, in his book, the law uh, on the 17 indispensable laws of teamwork. It's the law of significance. And it says this, one is too small a number to achieve greatness. Everybody say one is too small a number to achieve greatness. It really is. And when you embrace that, and how many of you know you can lean on laws? The laws are the laws. How many of you know the, the, law, uh, the law of uh, gravity? What goes up must come down. It's a law. It's guaranteed. You know, it's the, uh, Josh Mish mentioned the law of reciprocity. I think I may share on that in, in the month of November and Thanksgiving uh, for if we 
if we give thanks, guess what? There's a law of reciprocity comes in as we begin to develop a giving heart and a giving life. Uh, and this is a law, what he calls the law of significance. One is too small a number to achieve greatness. And, and behind every great man or every great woman or every great person who has done and recognized as some uh, significant influence in their world, I can guarantee you there's a team behind the scene. Everyone say there's a team behind the scene. And so that's the way it is with church. A lot of times people look at one person or two people and say, man, look what they have done. Behind every, uh, every person, every uh, success, there's a team behind the scene. And so, uh, I want, I want you to embrace that and begin to realize, Hey, God's got me on a team. And so it's a biblical principle that we want to look at this morning. Uh, and it really begins a real great illustration begins because we're looking at the children of Israel in Exodus chapter 18 with Moses. So if you'll turn to Exodus 18, here's the story. Moses, if you remember, Moses served his father in law in the wilderness there for 40 years. And then he came upon the burning bush and God called him to go back to Egypt and set his people free. Remember that that's the first few chapters of Exodus. And now he's done that. And the Exodus has begun and Jethro joins the troop. Father-in-law joins and father-in-law had some great insight because he saw Moses every day, all day long, standing before people and judging the people and providing spiritual input into the people. And, and all day long from daylight till dark, Moses' life was overwhelmed with taking care of a million plus people spiritually and governmentally. And jump in here and see what father-in-law says. It's the institution of the team, if you will. In Exodus chapter 18, verse 13, and so it was on the next day that Moses set to judge the people. And the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. Verse 17, it says this. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, this thing that you do is not good. Everyone say it's not good. Both you and those who, you, who are with you will surely wear yourselves out for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Now, if we took that, how many of you know some, sometimes the Bible is just as clear as a bell. He said, this is not good. Everyone say, this is not good. He said, you're going to wear yourself out. You're not able to do this and go back to the first law of John Maxwell's book. Hey, the number one is too small a number to accomplish greatness. And Jethro shows up and he says, you can't do this. And then he begins to institute the team. He says, listen, you need to understand this. You need to verse 21 Select from all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. And then it will be that every great matter that shall, they shall bring to you, but every small matter they, they themselves shall judge. And so it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. Everyone say they'll bear the burden with you. That's the team. You know, many hands make up. 
And so it's a biblical principle that you and I need to embrace. And when we think about the Great Commission and we think about, you know, church growth and we think about children's ministry and ladies ministry and youth ministry and all the different things we do. Hey, let me just say this. Our Dandora uh, garage sale project, the Dandora project could never have been accomplished without, without a team. And so it takes everyone to step on board. And so it's a biblical principle. Uh, in fact, uh, Joshua carried on the process. If you looked at Joshua chapter one, two, three, four, and five, and even six, what you see is the team mindset and the teamwork working together. In fact, when you get to Joshua six, when they're crossed over and, and, the, and Jericho is before them, are you with me? What happened? They all marched around with significant orders, instruction, and insight. Everybody worked together as a part of one team. Everyone say team. And so they all together worked together and listened to me. Everybody said, well, God knocked down the walls. Well, we give him all the credit, but let me tell you something. Teamwork empowered God to accomplish what he desired to do. Teamwork partners with the will of God for your life. Without teamwork, the will of God will never be realized in your life. Without teamwork, the will of God will never be realized in your family. Without working together as a team. Everyone say teamwork makes the dream work. That's a little cliche-ish, but it's, it's applicable to us. And so even, and, and when we look at that and realize that, man, it makes us, hey, let's run out and buy the book. I don't, I think you might even could get this at Barnes and Noble. You can certainly order it online. Just, just principles of life. Here's one that I think of, uh, one of the laws that I think of when I think of Moses. It's the law of Mount Everest. The law of Mount Everest says this, as the challenge escalates, the need for teamwork elevates. Moses had a big challenge and it was escalating. And, and his father-in-law Jethro saw the need for teamwork. It's the law of Mount Everest. Jethro must have read the book. How many of you know we need one another? Amen. So it's a biblical principle. And now Jesus Christ, the great, he's the team builder of team. He's the master builder, the Bible says, and he's a master team builder. He began with his disciples. And when you study him and he, as he began to build his team, he would just find people that, that he, that he connected with, <coughs> pardon me. And like in Luke chapter five, Peter uh, they made a divine connection and Jesus said to him, he said this, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'll build within you a, a team spirit, if you will. And he began to build his team. And then he began to build the church in Matthew 16. What did he say when Peter got it right? He said, who do men say that I am? Some say you're this, some say you're that, but who do you say that I am? Peter said, well, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus went, ding, 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 ding. You got it right. He said, upon this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. Everyone say, build the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail it, prevail against it. He's the great master builder and he's the team builder. And he, and he began to build his team. And when you look at the life of Jesus, he had his one best friend. Anyone know his, his, his number one best friend? Come on, say it out loud. His name was John. And then there's the three. And then there was the 12. 
And then there was the 70, and then there was the multitudes. It was the, it was the building, if you will, of a great team network called the church, of which you and I are a part of. Everybody that's glad to be on the team, say amen. And so Jesus was a great team builder and he wants to work that within us, you know, and as disciples of Jesus Christ, as members of the church, Hey, we're a part of the team. Let me give you some of the laws here that apply to us as God's people in the church. It's the law of the chain. John Maxwell says the law of the chain, the strength of the team is impacted by the weakest link. Here's another one. The law of the catalyst winning teams have players who make things happen. Man, we need some catalysts in the house who will make things happen for the glory of God. I love people who just say, hey, pastor, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'll make it happen. We need, I got it. I'll make it happen. People who, hey, I'm a part of the team. I can make that happen. It's the law of the catalyst. Here's one that none of us want. We better hope this doesn't apply to us. The law of the bad apple. The rotten attitude ruins the team. How many of you ever saw that happen before? One bad attitude can ruin the whole team. So, hey, there, we as God's people need to realize God wants to build within us a mindset of teamwork, working together to accomplish his kingdom purposes in the earth. Amen. Now, this morning, I want to give you some things to help energize the team. How many of you know the team needs some energy from time to team, from time to team, from time to time? How many of you sometimes in the, in the going, the going gets tough. It gets rough and you need some energy. I want to create some spiritual energy for you this morning. I want to give you three things that will, that will hopefully energize us as we embrace them as team members in God's church, fulfilling his kingdom purposes. The first one is this teamwork is energized by God's mission in the earth. Mission is God's divine mandate and it remains the same. Did you know the mission of the church has never changed? It's called the Great Commission. It is the mission that all of us need to embrace. And one of the things that I realize about me and about us and about God's church, when we lose the vision of the mission, we be, <coughs> pardon me, when we lose that vision of the mission, when we, when we lose sight of the real call of God on all of us, uh, the momentum begins to wane. But when we begin to embrace the mission, which is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that he's commanded us. And then he said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, when we begin to embrace that, it ought to energize us spiritually. The first century church, they got it right before Jesus left. Before he ascended into the heavens, he, he commissioned them with the great commission and it moved them and motivated them. In fact, in Acts chapter one, what did Jesus say? He said, I've given you the mission but go to Jerusalem and wait for the energy, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and I'll give you power to accomplish what I've called you to do. How many of you know he'll give us power to accomplish what he's called us to do? And that is the mission of God. We ought to live with a sense of purpose and destiny that God has us on a team that is not about me, myself and I. It's about every lost soul, every nation, every culture that is yet to name the name of Christ. Amen. The mission ought to energize us. 
as we embrace the mission, the second thing that ought to energize the attitude of teamwork is the vision of God. And that, that's God's divine methodology. And that's organic. That changes uh, and evolves in a good sense. God gives us divine methodology to accomplish his kingdom purposes. When we look at the big picture, we go, oh my goodness, how are we going to accomplish what he's called us to do? He gives us vision. And that vision begins to empower us like we were talking about last Sunday. It'll energize the team. And this, let me just say this about our team. I really believe that God over the next few weeks and months is going to take our leaders and begin to energize them with fresh vision for a, for a new found understanding of teamwork to make the dream work. Amen. Everyone say mission. Everyone say vision. And then the third one is this. It'll energize the team. It's motivation. That's leadership. When you look at Joshua, what did he do? Well, he got the vision from God. He got the mission from God. And guess what happened? He began to lead. Now, let me pause right here. God is raising up a new generation of leaders, even in this house. You say, well, I, I don't have a title. Listen, you can lead from the back of the pack. You don't need a title to make a difference. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't need a title to make a difference. A lot of people just looking for a title. Listen, I, I'm telling you, uh, you don't need a title to make a difference. And God is going to begin to stir. In fact, he's stirring people to new levels of influence in their life to make a difference. And, and, and that causes people to get motivated to accomplish God's kingdom purposes. Leaders who get a word from God. It's called the law of the edge. I love this. John Maxwell said, the law of the edge. The difference between two equally talented teams is leadership. And so God has called us to make a difference and to lead from wherever level we're at to motivate God's team to keep moving forward to fulfill the mission that he's called us to accomplish. Amen. Now today, for us, we need to analyze for our own life where we are as far as our involvement in the team and our investment in the team. And I want to give you Pastor Sam's four tenets of teamwork what really lives on the inside of every team player, if you will. And for us to look at these and begin to uh, analyze our own life and look at our own life and see where we may need to, uh, you know, invest some more in our own life. But here they are, the first one. The first tenet of, of, of teamwork is this. Every great team member involves themselves and their family in the team. Everyone say involve. Any, I don't think we have any firefighters here, any firefighters. I've learned this phrase. Uh, maybe some of you, you ever heard uh, when they give the report, maybe on the radio, that uh, how's, you know, what's the, they say it's fully involved. In other words, the structure, whatever's on fire, it's fully involved. In other words, the whole thing is overwhelmed by it. How many of you know that's what God is looking for in each and every one of us when it comes to his team and his vision? To be fully involved, to involve our, every great team member is fully involved. They are not partially involved. They are not kind of in, in a mediocre fashion. They're fully involved and we see this. Think about Peter in Luke 8. He's fully involved in fishing. But Jesus walks into the middle of his life and rattles his world and changes the focus of his life. And he said, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And you know what Luke chapter 5 verse 11 says? It says they left their nets and their boats and they began to follow him. They fully involved themselves. 
In Acts chapter 2 and 3, when the church is born and the revival of God begins to sweep uh, all the cultures that began there and all the different cultures that had come to Jerusalem, people from everywhere, the power of the Holy Spirit fell. 3,000 plus people are born again on that first day and, it, and, and God's adding to the church daily. You know what we see? They were fully involved. In fact, in this case, they, they never went back home. They said, we're, we're moving everything to, to headquarters. And their lives became fully involved in fulfilling the great commission. And God is looking for a, a team member and a team player and people who will, will lay it all on the line and say, hey, for the sake of the team, I'm going to be fully involved in my life. And I hear it all the time. People come to me and they try to explain. I'm, I'm just being honest here. They try to explain why they can only be partially involved or why they can't be involved at all. You know, pastor, you know, it's just that, man, my work and all this. And hey, I understand schedules. That has nothing to do with our hearts. Could have get a better amen. It's quiet in here. I said, could get a better amen. Come on, let's be honest. We have to look at our heart. And say, am I fully involved in embracing his kingdom purpose in my life? I'm not talking about times. I understand. It, hey, I understand schedules. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not getting on to you because you work past 7 o'clock in the evening or on Sunday morning. I'm not talking about that. But how many of you know, wherever we are in life, our hearts have to be fully involved in his kingdom purpose. That's what a real team player does. And you say, well, pastor, you know, I'm limited in my capacities and things. Hey, then, then you can heat it up at the prayer fire. Amen. You can, you can pray for pastor. You can encourage the breath. You can write an email. You can, you can pray for your, for the leaders. You can do all kinds of things. How many of you know people who are absolutely bedridden can still make a huge difference in the team? Amen. So, hey, uh, let me just say there's, you know, Jesus ran into people who had excuses. Well, you know, let me first go bury my father and then I'll come follow you. There was no evidence that daddy had even gotten sick yet. When we embrace the, the, the great commission, it begins to energize us. It brings us to a place where we have to realize I'm going to be fully involved. And number two. The second tenet of teamwork is not just being fully involved, but number two, fully invested. We invest our time and our talents and our treasure in the team. It, it costs us something. In fact, here's the law, the law of the price tag. The team, failed to the team fails to reach its potential when it fails to pay the price. Here's another one in the book, the law of dividends. Investing in the team compounds over time. How many of you understand compound interest? You know, some people want, when they come to church, it to be an automatic return. You know, I'm going to put a nickel in, cha-ching, and a thousand come out. An automatic return. That's not the way it is in investing the kingdom of God. And I've learned over the long time that it works. It causes, there's compound interest. And what I sow over the course of time begins to return to me. In fact, uh, I was talking to some pastor friends and some people uh, thinking about long term and looking back and realizing that some of my, the kids' kids that I, you know, I baptized the, 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 the kids of the kids and maybe getting close to the kids, kids, kids. I don't know. But I've got some in my ministry career, some of the kids of the kids who are now full-time ministry in the church. 
Hey, that, what, what is that? That's long-term compound interest. And so we've got to realize God wants to invest us to invest our lives, our time, and our, our, our talents and our treasures in his kingdom purpose. It brings forth long-term dividends. Amen. And then the third one is this. We've got to incorporate. We've got to involve ourselves, invest who we are. And we've got to incorporate our talents and, and our gifts into the team. In fact, here it is. Here's the law of the niche. All team members have a place where they add the most value. And that's a biblical principle. All team members have a place where they add the most value. Ephesians 4.16 says we're joined together by which every part does its part and it causes growth in the church. Peter said it this way. He said we've all been given a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We've got to incorporate who we are and how God has gifted us in the church. You know, I think of Wade and Nicole. I'll use them as an illustration. You know, they're newlyweds, but you know what they're doing already here in our church? They're leading a growth group on Wednesday night. That just thrills me. God's beginning to use their talents and their abilities and the call of God on their life. That's the way God wants to use all of us. Someplace, somehow, we incorporate our gifts and our talents into the team, and it causes the team to grow and prosper and be healthy. And I know what some people say, well, I don't have any of that. Well, you're just blind to the reality that God created you special. Look at somebody and tell them you're special to God. And you have gifts and you have talents. He's given us all gifts and talents to incorporate in the body of Christ. And then number four, the fourth tenet of teamwork, we invite our sphere of influence to be a part of the team. It's the law of the bench. You know, uh, I'm not a big football fan, though I watch football. I'm a pretty big NBA fan. And I love to watch the Dallas Mavericks. I'm sorry about that, but that's just where I came from. And when we won the NBA championship, it was not because of one big star. It was because we had a very deep bench. I mean, the starters could go off and four more come on or five. And, and they were in many cases equally or even better prepared for that moment. And they had a real deep bench. And it, when it comes to our team and the team of, of God's kingdom, we've got to realize that about the, about, uh, about the team. We need to invite our sphere of influence to join us in the team. It's the law of the niche. Great teams have great depth. You know what? We, 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 have, we have no depth in many areas of our church. And one of the things we're going to have to do is, is develop a deeper bench when it comes to some areas of our children's ministry where we're not scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to wearing people out like most. Moses was wore out and trying to do it over and over again. We need a deeper bench. And one of the ways we're going to accomplish that is just reach out and begin to invite people to be a part of our team. And if you're in the nursery team, guess what? One of the great things to do is invite people to be a part of the team. If you're in children's ministry, youth ministry, whatever, hey, we're going to invite people to be a part of our team. Man, this is a great team. We've got, we got, we got a great team. We want you to be a part of the team. And our bench gets deeper because everybody gets to become a part of a team. Amen? Everyone say involved. Everyone say invested. 
Everyone say incorporate and invite. Four tenets of what a healthy team member is involved in in their life. You see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus came to Philip in John chapter 1. Hey, come on. Join the team. And then Philip got, Nathaniel said, come and see. The team starts building. Because people are inviting people to the team. Jesus to Peter and others, follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. Peter gets up and acts to all the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. He begins to preach. And what he's saying is, come on, join the team. Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. He said, in the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, find some faithful men and give what to them what I gave to you that they can go and do likewise. In other words, keep people coming and inviting them to the team. Build a deep bench of leadership and influence in the team. Today, let me ask you a question as we close. Where are you when it comes to the team? Do you need some energy? Have you lost your energy? Guess what? Re-embrace the Great Commission. Embrace the vision of God for your life. Begin to Invest in others as a person of influence and leadership. Involve yourself, invest yourself, incorporate your gifts and talents and invite others to be a part of the team. Let's stand together today. God is adding people to the team. He's calling people from the north, south, east, and west to plug up and be involved with the team. He's reaffirming people in the team. You know, if a team player finds himself on the bench, it's probably for a reason. But how many of you know God wants us all in the game? He really does. He wants us all fully involved, fully invested, fully incorporating who we are and how God has created us into the team and inviting our friends and sphere of influence join us in the team because it's one it's too small a number to achieve greatness in fact I coined this phrase it's not even English but it's called the multiplicity of effectivity one can chase a thousand and two ten thousand what happens when the whole team begins to hit on all eight cylinders, begins to be fully invested, fully involved, incorporating who they are in the team and inviting others to be a part. The kingdom of God expands and what was impossible for one becomes immensely possible for the team. We could have never drilled over 250 wells in Mexico without a big outward influence of team. In fact, today, because of the, the, the fears of, and the very real fears of us traveling into Mexico, we've adjusted our team to have locals drilling our wells for us. In fact, this, this last weekend, while we were having garage sale, our team was drilling water wells in Mexico. It's teamwork, there they are. This little village right here had no access to fresh water. 
And we're a part of that team right there. We didn't even know it, did we? You didn't even know it. And you can't even really see Tom down in there. He's kind of blending in with his camo colors. But with the, with team, you know, you remember what Mother Teresa said, you can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. But together, we can do great things. Together, we can do great things. We prayed for Jay and Linda. What a great picture of teamwork. Here's a cool thing. They needed a water well a number of years ago. Guess who funded the water well? You did. So we're part of their team. That's the way it works. Amen. Let's bow our heads before the Lord.